Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm your host, Jules Dan here. Welcome to our interview show and my guest actually came from a recommendation from another podcast that went on this dude called Derek Gell um, and it's interesting because Derek recommended me to someone called Angus Pryor. Now Angus is in the uh, dental marketing space and it's actually kind of funny because um, my dad's a dentist and um, we didn't actually talk about dental marketing and I know there's not many dentists listening to this podcast however I had a really good chat with him. It's more like a fireside chat than more like a how-to information because uh, Angus has been doing this for about 10 years in the dental marketing consulting world. And so I was really curious about his journey, some of his daily habits of success and a bunch of other good stuff. So stick around, good listening, good lessons, and hope you enjoy my lesson, uh, my lesson today, my podcast episode today with Angus Pryor. Hey, this is Jules Dan from Storytelling Secrets. I'm joined by Angus Pryor and... We're going to be talking about some really cool stuff, but first, Angus, how's it going? Yeah. Hey, Jules. Hi, everyone. Mate, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I was wondering if you could tell my audience a little bit about yourself, your backstory to how you got to where you are today. I know everyone's got quite a long story, but so if you've got like the Cliff Notes version, I'd love to hear it. Sure. All right. I'll, I'll try and do the 60-second version. Um I finished school. I did most of my schooling in Canberra. My first job, all my jobs have had a D in front of them. So I was a drummer uh, straight out of school, thought I was going to make a living as a musician and discovered that was a very tough way to make a living. And then because I was in Canberra, I joined government and I became a diplomat. Uh, I served at these various Australian embassies around the planet for about seven years, finished up in Washington. Uh, and then if you allow a bit of poetic license, I then became a drug pusher. I uh, worked in the pharmaceutical industry, yep. yes, legal drugs. Uh, and then eventually, about seven years ago, started as a dental marketer. Uh, and I look, I, while I was in government, I finished an MBA majoring in marketing. And I, I realized that that's what I really loved. So um, that's where I am now. That is quite the journey from drama to dental marketer. I could see the jump from, from drama to diplomat, you know. You, you, Drummer. Not drama, drummer. You know, drummer. Oh, yeah. That. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so My I'm apologies. Super, My no, apologies. I'm not super dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got quite a big journey, and um, your journey from you know from pharmaceutical industry to the to, to the marketing position. I'm I'm curious to know what was that that catalyst to to change to move forward with. Something really different. Yeah, I, Jules, I think for me, um, I'm a person driven by achievement. Uh, like, to be really honest, that's that's how I tick. It's not 
I don't need a lot of recognition, but I just love doing stuff because it's there. And so, um, you know, when I was finishing high school, my brother was in the public service and that, I thought, oh, that seemed like a really good job, it was very flexible and all that. And so I did that for a while and then got to a reasonably senior position in government. And, and for me, it was kind of like, tick, what's next? And then a lot of people in government would like, oh, I wonder about moving across to the private sector and I didn't know if I could do it. So I pretty much went to the bottom of the pile. I worked in banks for a little while and realized that was definitely not for me. Yep. Uh, I, I'll never forget my first day working in Westpac. I swear to you, this is not a lie. They issued me one black Bic pen and they said, you better look after it. One. And, and I was like, for oh, a bank, that's pretty for steep. A bank. Oh, I was in an accounts area, and <laughs> for him, for them, that's overhead. That's not the part that brings in the money, so they want to minimize their overhead. Uh, so that didn't last very long. And then I was working with a woman whose husband was in pharmaceutical, and she said, Oh, it's a really good job. And I actually loved it. Um, you know, I'm you know, as a consumer, you want stuff to be ethical, of course. Um, but the truth is that there's been many times in my life where you've had an ailment and I'm like, dear God, I hope there's a drug that fixes this. Uh, and so I really loved that. But I, I'd done this, um, you know, this MBA while I was in government majoring in marketing. And then I started to dabble with stuff on the side. And eventually, uh, through a mutual acquaintance of ours, Jules and mine, and also a former guest on the show, uh, Derek Gale, I was, I, I, you know, I communicated with him quite a lot. And he finally said, come on, Angus, you've got to set up a business. And, you know, like I'd done quite well in government. I'd done quite well in private. Uh, you know, for some of your listeners, I mean, my last job in pharmaceutical, uh, I ended up on the animal side, you know, so we're pushing drugs to animals that couldn't even talk back. Yeah. No, it's just being silly. Um, you know, it's like I had a, a very healthy six-figure salary plus uh, the kind of annual bonuses that would be more than most people would make in their first year in the workforce, plus a car provider, plus private health, you know, plus, plus, plus. Um, but I was kind of like, well, I ticked that box. And then, and then business is something I'd wondered about. So for mm. me, that was sort of the next step. Nice. Okay. So, and then when you decide, it's really interesting how you're like, okay, like tick this box. Is it because that you just feel like you, you put your feet in, you're like, this is what it's like. Cause some people, they just want to climb all the way to the top. And they, like you said at the start, you don't necessarily want that recognition, maybe being as like that top, top thought leader. So for you, is it just, you wanted to see what the experience was like. You, you had some fun and you're like, okay, I want some variety in life. What's next? Yeah, I'd say it is. It's, <laughs> it sounds like very millennial behavior and I'm 52. Um, I don't know why. I just, that's just the way I'm wired. I think one of the things um, that I found is like, kind of know thyself you know the the mm. older you get the more you realize what you're about and what you're not about and i would say to everybody listening one of my mentors is a guy called ty lopez and you know you know people say oh you know which personality test should i do and his answer to that is do all of them like honestly learn as much about yourself as you can because uh, it's very re refreshing when you do get older because mm. you start to go you know what I'm just not good at that. I'm not going to pretend to be good at everything. And, exactly, and the, yeah. 
the better you can play to your strengths in life, um, I would say the journey is more fun, you know, like you actually just love doing what you're doing and you you do better. Uh, and and in, for me, and I, perhaps for everyone, I think life is a sort of a journey figuring out what are you great at? What do you love doing? And yep. hopefully there's a reasonable overlap between that and making a decent living. Exactly. But the reason why I brought it up was because, you know, finding, having that variety is not a bad thing. And a lot of uh, entrepreneurs have that ADHD. Um, you fall into that box, you might tick out of 18 out of 20 symptoms, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because you've been doing your thing for the last 10 years. So you found something you're really good at. So tell me a little bit about your journey from the start. Cause I know this may be some consultants listening. So what was the journey going through at the start of your consulting to what you've built it to right now? Yeah, I look, I, um, I got a chapter in a book um, fairly early on. Um, and my chapter was called the late entrepreneur starting a business after 40 and I, I've literally just been reading back because, you know, time's a great healer, Jules. You, mm. you forget about, you know, the, the tough bits. And I, I've got to be honest, the first however long was in many ways very difficult. Um, you know, like particularly coming out of pharmaceutical, which is, you know, there's not everything's great about it, but in general terms, a pretty sweet ride. I mean, it just... Uh, maybe it was just a good match with my skills, but you sort of went from having everything laid on to suddenly everything is a hundred percent down to you. And um, mm. so the thing, the things that I noticed in the transition, and some of them I still struggle with. Uh, one is um, kind of under the broad heading of self care. You know, like yep. when you when you're in. When you're an employee, you've you've got those kind of social networks around you, and then you start your own business, and it's it's like sort of you know um, walking into an empty field where you can't see anybody for miles. It's like which direction do I go in? Who do I connect with? Um, yep. <laughs> now I've just moved uh, from New South Wales to Victoria, and I'm it's almost like starting again in a way. It's like one of my goals is build social networks because I, that stuff is not to be underestimated. I mean, you know, being the boss, being an entrepreneur, whether you've got a team or not, can be a lonely business and getting connected and looking after yourself is essential. So that would be the first thing I'd say. I'd, I had to get really intentional about that. And I, um, you know, I, I'm especially having lived all over the world as I have, I feel like I'm a person who connects with people fairly easily, but I had to get super intentional about that because otherwise you end up sort of, you know, not wanting to get out of bed. <laughs> That's yeah. not a very good place. Exactly, exactly. So like there's only so many, like whether you've got really close friends from school growing up, they probably might not have that share, share that same experience that you're going through. So curious to know did you go to say like bni's or local meetups how did you form that that those social relationships so you, they knew what was going on in your life and you could relate with them yeah and 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 you've absolutely hit the nail on the head jules like that is so true i mean when i started to dabble in business all of my friends were employees and like i i don't say this disrespectfully but they just didn't get it uh so, yeah. and and so I, look, I've been to a few B&Is um, because of the nature of my business, because we are so niche. I just deal with dentists. Um, B&I, you know, and the genre for me is unfortunately, 
it's a bit of a waste of time in the sense of I'm not going there to get leads. Like if you're an accountant or, you know, a more general position, well, sure. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of value in the social connections. And so, uh, you know, I was in a property education group. And so you'd meet a lot of people that way. And, and they were often people who are a bit more entrepreneurial. Um, I definitely went to some meetups. I used to go and do... Um, this uh, Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called, um, well, Rich, Rich, Rich Dad, Dad, Poor Dad. But, but one of the things, he created a board game called uh, Cashflow. And I used to go along and play a board game with people. So that was pretty good. Uh, and then I guess what happens is you, you filter your sort of reference point. It's like your little antenna come up and you start looking for other business people. And uh, I just found I really gravitated to them. Yeah, absolutely. So finding those groups, um, especially not, maybe not directly towards business, but like you said, it was a, is those property groups, finding fun, fun ways to socialize with cash flow. I, my brain was just checking over like, where do I get that? Where do I get that board game? I definitely want to find that and start playing with people. All right. So finding your circle, finding your social circle, that's really important. When you were say a little bit further down the track, you know, maybe you got some solar way of generating leads, you had your social needs taken care of. How come you didn't feel like I've ticked this box? How come you kept pursuing to get better and better inside of your consulting firm? You ask very insightful questions, Jules. Um, I've never been asked that question before. I, I think um, John Lee Dumas, the entrepreneur on fire guy who I interviewed recently, um, he one of his things that he talks about is the the arrival fallacy, which is you never arrive. And I think because business in my mind is so vast, I mean that's that's one of the hard things about business is that you it's literally every single aspect, what do you want to do? You know, what field do you want to be in? Who do you want to serve? What products do you want to provide? What kind of business do you want, et cetera, et cetera? And, and that's um, very hard. So for me, even after I've, I've, I think this business has run for seven years and I've been doing it for five years full time now, um, I still feel like I'm just scratching the surface uh, I thought I knew a lot about business when I was a, a rep in pharmaceutical and I'd yeah. be giving advice to, uh, you know, in the end I was calling on vets, so I'd be giving them business advice. And I look back and I go, I didn't know much at all. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am a great learner, uh, but, you know, I'm a person who really very actively learns. Um, I've read a book a week for the last three years uh, and I, as I say, there is that arrival fallacy. Like, when do you get to where you want to get to? I'm 52. I sort of had imagined that I would give it a thorough flogging for the, you know, until I'm about 60 and then see what I can build in that time. And, and you, you know, like if you're working for someone where you can, you can see the career path. And so that arrival's much, that, you know, that arrival idea is much clearer. But when you're building your own business, like, how big does it get? When do you stop? You know, yeah. I just I just finished reading a book called From Barefoot to Billionaire, uh, and and each of us gets to decide where the journey ends. So, it's really interesting how you say that everyone has that in uh, employee position; they have that career path. Um, but I was also thinking this the other day. I was journaling to myself. So I have these goals. I want to you know publish a newsletter with X amount of people on it. Live in this place. Maybe 
do digital nomad thing, but what happens if I achieve those things and then what's next? Cause uh, that, that kind of scares the hell out of me. And then it just makes you really wonder how do I enjoy this every single day and not feel like it's a grind. So <laughs> you're curious to know how, how you get past that sort of mindset. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very insightful question. Another one. Um, I, look, you're absolutely right. You've got to enjoy the moments. And I don't know whether this is typical for entrepreneurs, but for me, I'm a fairly sort of future thinking person. You know, I'm always thinking about what's down the track. And yet, uh, one of the podcasts that I listened to, the guy said, you can only be happy right now. I can't be happy tomorrow. I can't be happy in a week's time. I can't be happy in a month's time. It's only in the moment that I get yeah. to be happy. Uh, and so I would say one of the things that really transformed my life um, is a book by Hal Elrod called Miracle Morning. And he uh, his own story, and I know you're a bit of a story guy, Jules. His own, his own story is extraordinary. So he was... I think working for the man, you know, in his 20s or 30s, and he had a horrific car crash and was literally like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk again. Um, and basically, in the midst of his kind of doom and gloom, he started researching online and looking at, you know, the most successful people in the world, what did they attribute their success to? And what he distilled it down to was six different factors. Um, and so, for example, one of them's exercise. Believe it or not, Richard Branson, that's one of the things that he attributes his success to. Um, other people talk about journaling like you did. Uh, mm -hmm. Other people talk about visualization. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he came up with this sort of six-step process, which sounds much more complex than it is. Like you can literally spend one minute on each of a morning or two minutes on each or three minutes. I would say... For me, I usually do two to three minutes on each. And so just reminding myself, I start with, let me think, because I do this every day. I just had a bit of a mental blank. Here. That's all good. What is the very first thing that I do in the morning? Well, I do a few push-ups. Is, is that something? You know, no, no, no. Exercise is at the end. And so I, I don't, the truth is I do a lot more than, let's say I'm doing the two-minute version. Um I'm sorry. So I start the day with gratitude. So that's one of the things that, and so I will close my eyes and say, I'm so grateful for dot, dot, dot. And I finish that sentence. So I'll do that solidly for two minutes. Then the next one's affirmations. And I, you know, will say out loud, looking in a mirror, um, you know, a, a book by um, Harv Echo called The Millionaire uh, mindset, the millionaire mind. And so one of them is uh, I have a millionaire mind. You know, my inner world is creating my outer world. I'm closely observing my thoughts and only embracing those that empower me. So that's the second part. The third part is visualizing your day. And so I look at my calendar and imagine each part of a day going well. I imagine this appointment going well today. Um, the next part is the journaling where you write down and I do it under three categories. Um, what am I grateful for? What am I proud of? of honestly, we're often our, our toughest critics and that can be the hardest one to do. And then um, what am I committed to? Uh, and then the final one is exercise. I think I got to six. Oh, I'm sorry. No, reading um, kind of. So I'll, I'll read a book, you know, a chapter of a book. And then the last one is exercise. And I, I did that. Um, I, I don't want to sort of overstate this. I did that at a time in my entrepreneurial journey where I was reasonably down 
and I'm, I'm a fairly level person. You know, most people, if you ask me, I'm not a sort of high highs and low lows kind of guy, but I would say the entrepreneurial journey is easily the toughest thing on my mental health I've ever done. Uh, and and yep. it was preaching the choir, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was as a result of that that I started to look for this, and I found this routine. And I would say, literally, every day I do that, I'm happier. And every day I don't do that, I'm less happy. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's it's always interesting how we let ourselves go on those days, like oh, I won't do it today. And then you like hits you back. Um, and I. Just out of curiosity, because I've got a similar morning routine, maybe not to that specificity, but on weekends, I might sleep, sleep in and then I'll fall out of routine and I won't do it. Is that how you might accidentally skip that routine as well? Yeah, I, I admit I don't do it on weekends. I like um, weekends to be sort of, I guess, unwinding. Um, I The challenge, and I don't know if every entrepreneur is like this, but I, I feel like at some level I'm always on. You know, and it's it's kind of the weekends I've got to switch off a bit. You know, I can be mm-hmm. there at nine or ten at night, still looking through you know my phone and inbox and that sort of stuff. And so yeah. the weekends I try to make that as as far as possible from the week. Exactly. Yeah, I've noticed that the the times that I have tried to push on a Saturday and a Sunday, you get to Monday and you're like far out. I I haven't had a break. Like it actually actually hasn't stopped, and I've got another week of this moving forward and you're, you the worst part is that your idea your idea muscle whatever it just doesn't want to cooperate and uh i need right. ideas and you need ideas and most people need ideas and so having at least sunday off i found to be absolutely critical yeah oh, look apparently um our, you know our brain is something like eight percent of the size of our body but it uses 25 to 30 percent of the energy of our body and um we have uh, it's called different things but they they talk about the primitive brain or the croc brain and it's like a it's like a guard that's that protects the rest of the brain and says is this novel or interesting is it is it urgent is it fight or flight and if it's not it won't let stuff through and so what happens is your your croc brain, if, if you don't give it that downtime, you'll get to something on Monday and you're like, no, nah, don't want to think about it. And I've literally said that to my team at times. I'm like, sorry, guys, I just I just don't have the bandwidth to think about this yep. at the moment. Yep. Um, Ty Lopez, again, I, I've just followed him for a number of years and he reckons that what you need to do is that the first six hours of your day is critical. In fact, it's not just Ty Lopez. I think it's Donald Miller who says that as well. Uh, and I, yeah. and I've, I've really started going, okay, what are my highest sort of brain energy activities? I want to get those done. Let's say I wake up at 7. I need to get those done by 1 p.m. And in the afternoon, I can have meetings or the more routine stuff. Yeah. But yeah. in a marketing business, like there is a lot of energy, mental energy that goes into creativity, and and that yep. I, I can't just I can't just sort of switch on the creativity muscle at five p.m. because there's you know I'll go oh, to the I cupboard and it's there. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I make it a rule that before my coffee, I have to create some piece of content for myself, and usually that content is a bit of a warm up because it's because uh, where you touch your content first, you're a bit rel- you have to get 
all that reluctance out. And then, you know, if you're touching client work or whatever, even if you're not writing stuff for clients, I always just find doing something a little bit creative first in the morning which helps. And like you said, after this podcast, you know, 1 p.m., I think the writing quality is going to go way down. And, and that's when I normally work on stuff like lead generation or adding people on LinkedIn or replying to emails. Um, is, is that the same sort of routine you might follow too? Yeah. Look, I mean, today, literally, I've got a bunch of other appointments this afternoon. That's not ideal. But truthfully, I usually try not to have appointments in the morning so that I can have that sort of clear space to do my most creative work. Mm. Uh, and as you say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what we want to do, most of us, um, if your brain's anything like mine, is we we love novelty because every time you get something that's new, you get a dopamine release in your brain. Um, that's the that's the feel-good chemical. Watch out and, for shiny objects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so... Uh, Brendan Burchard, who's a, a guy who's in the space of high performance, he his view is you should not even look at email for the first one to two hours of the day. Now, our brain wants to because it wants that hit of dopamine. But I'm, I pretty much train myself until I do my morning routine and then go for a walk or a run for half an hour. It's at least an hour before I even look at email because mm. it's, it's a great sort of energy suck, but you're using that most valuable time of the day Absolutely. responding to things that, that don't actually require the most energy. Yeah. And a good thing about my mentor is reminding me is that you're putting other people's agenda before yours. It's like, you're not putting your own oxygen mask on first yeah. before you can help others. And that's why uh, reading email in the morning is, is a sin in an yeah. entrepreneurial world. Yeah, no, I would say that's true. I mean, it's the way I look at it is, uh, even from my employee days, my boss is not going to come to me at the end of the year and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You responded to your emails on time. I mean, th that's just kind of like, that's expected. It's it's that other more creative kind of green field stuff. That's the stuff that really moves the needle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Angus, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and focus towards you. Um What's your vision for the next six to 12 months with your business? I'm curious to hear where you want to go. Um, so we have a, I, I've got a one page business plan, uh, which I found to be incredibly helpful. It's got a one line statement with our why at the top. Mm -hmm. It then has three core pillars, uh, which is the, I suppose it's the why, it's the what, and then below that is the how. And all of that fits on one page. Uh, and that particular one goes until the end of next year. And so uh, our, our why is about helping dentists win in business and life. Uh, and for me, you know, as a 52-year-old, that, that legacy starts to become quite important um, where I start to go, well, what's the point? What's this all about? And so I actually genuinely like helping people, uh, not just dentists, where they are, you know, I'm helping them with their business, but I'm also helping them have a better life. You know, if it's one stress I can remove from them, that's good. So the the what, um, we've got a, a goals in relation to growth in terms of client acquisition. Uh, interestingly, one of our three what goals is we're contemplating moving into another space. Uh, I won't <laughs> go into too much detail yep. on that one. Uh, and then the third what is about making sure that we have really good um, uh, participation from our clients. We do a quarterly educational event. It's free. 
Uh, and for us, this is part of our mission of helping uh, dentists win in business and life. We just had one on Friday. And so uh, I had two expert speakers in and then I spoke on, um, believe it or not, I spoke on money. Uh, you know, I usually do some kind of personal development topic and the, our clients and their team attend these. And, and for me, yeah. that's part of our vision. So uh, hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, that's all good. I wanted to get that because the next question I wanted to follow up with was, what's that one little thing that make, it makes you scared or you're afraid of that you know you need to focus on in order to achieve that goal? Hmm. What am I afraid of? It's a, it's a, that is actually a really good question. Uh, and it's one, I tend to do that more on a daily basis. I, you know, for the next day, every night, at the end of the day, I'm always writing, what are the five things I want to achieve the following day? Um, hmm, what am I scared of? I, I'm, I'm probably, there'd be a few things. I'm scared of not providing a good service. Like I, I'm a person who likes to be associated with high quality. My, my coach often says to me, you know, Angus, if you do this, I know what you're going to do. You're going to over deliver, you know, like he, in, at times he's kind of telling me to pull back because I'll say, oh, sure, we can deliver this service for you for, you know, $100. And he's like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, that, that scares me. I really hate being associated with something that's not good value and good quality. Um, I think probably for us, we've actually had a period of quite uh, steady growth in the last uh, month or two. And the, the things that I need to focus on is that we're spending our time not just on delivering the service, um, but actually the kind of, you know, that greenfield stuff, like what's next? What's the next innovation? What's the next way we can serve our clients better? What's the next way we can attract more people? That's probably the, you know, it's that the tyranny of the um, important and the urgent. Uh, yeah. And I think that's one for me and it's definitely one for my team as well. Yeah. So it sounds like you don't want to let people down because no. uh, you like your reputation of being reliable, which is pretty damn important in this game. And the second thing is uh, forward thinking. So yeah. not, not being stuck in busy land and then not seeding future opportunities that would actually help you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Smart, smart thing. Hey, Angus, really love the conversation today. Um, I'll, I'll, I haven't had too many actually talking about, you know, one-on-one with another business owner talking about what we do in the mornings and everything we do to keep productive is really interesting. Where's the best place for my audience to find you if they want to reach you online? Uh, AngusPrior.com. I better spell that. I, I lived in Adelaide for a while and I, I discovered there I had to learn how to spell my first name. Uh, which I've never had to do anywhere else. A N G U S for you people in South Australia, uh, and prior P for Peter R Y O R dot com. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot for coming on to Storytelling Secrets, to Angus. Thanks, Jules. You you asked some really great questions. I hope that your audience uh, a appreciates this and b really explodes because uh, if um you know based on what I've heard today, I can I can't wait to listen to some other interviews that you've done. Ah. Thanks a lot for that. See you later. No worries. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, this is Jules here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So if you want to go check out my guests' freebie, what they spoke about, learn a little bit more about them, maybe they've got an event they spoke about on the podcast, you're going to find all the information below in the podcast notes. 
And on top of that, if you really enjoyed the podcast, if you absolutely loved Storytelling Secrets, I'd really appreciate it if you go leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the podcast out to more people and uh, I'd be really, really grateful. On top of that, if you leave a review, a written review, I'd be more than happy to read it out on air. So you're more than welcome to drop a note, say hello to a friend, promote your business, whatever. The mic is yours, so to speak. So other than that, thank you so much for listening. Go leave a review and I'll see you next time on the podcast.